back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of books on cycling, writer about things outdoors related, and lover of all things outdoors related, and very, very happy to finally be home again in Ontario. And I'm Peter Glassford. I am Molly's co-host here on the Consummate Athlete. I am a registered kinesiologist and a cycling coach. I work mostly with cyclists and other endurance athletes, increasingly more triathletes and runners as well who are trying to, you know, either use cycling in their training or, or you know, just be more consummate athletes. So that is what kinesiology is all about, and that's what we talk about here on the show. And today is a Q&A episode, which we haven't done for a bunch of weeks, actually. Uh, and we realized they were almost through August, and we had a few questions in the queue. Uh, so as always, a reminder that you can use a form on consummateathlete.com to submit your questions for September or any future month, if you're listening to this in the future. Whoa. Even though we're in the present. And yeah, so we have some really good questions today, but we have lots of just reminders about deals and so forth. You know, I think there's a lot of things here that aren't just salesy. There's just some good things you should know about, some news items. I don't know if we have a mailbag, like, sound effect, but that that was... was, That was good enough. That was it. That was the mailbag flying in or the mail envelope flying in, I guess, with the stork. No babies? Uh, uh, Is this a baby no, announcement? No, no, baby no, no baby announcement. I don't okay. know why you looked at me like that was going to just be like just, me dropping just that. A boy can dream. Oh, dear. Not until we get a dachshund, dear. Not until we get a dachshund. Anyway. So what do we have on the, you got your book? Which, yeah. which book? Well, at the moment, Fuel Your Ride, the ebook version, is on sale over on Amazon for only $2.99. And we reference that book a ton in pretty much any of the episodes where we're talking nutrition on this podcast. So if you haven't already, I know a fair amount of our listeners have already gotten it, but it's a good chance to grab it for your Kindle. Um, I mean, yeah, $2.99 is an awesome deal. I actually didn't have it on my Kindle before this week, and now I do. Uh, that's only till the 30th, though, so you only have till Wednesday. Um, the other thing is that we just wanted you to, remi- to remind everyone to listen to last week's episode with Jax Mariesh, the entrepreneur behind Stoked Roasters, uh, because we have a huge giveaway going on with her for some rad coffee stuff. Um, and you can get to that, or you can get entered in the giveaway by rating and reviewing this podcast over on iTunes, and then just shooting a screenshot of that and emailing it to molly at the outdooredit.com. We're going to have that going on until Friday, and we'll put all of the how to do that in the show notes if you just missed that email somehow. Um, but yeah, awesome chance to get some sweet coffee. And if you listen to the episode, I don't want to give it out here because I want you to listen to how awesome Jax is, but there is a coupon code in there that you can use on Stoked Roasting or stokedroasters.com to buy some coffee. So it's a really good coupon code too, 25% off your order. So listen to that episode to get the code. Yeah, for sure. And are we have we already given away the uh, maximum overload? We have, and I'm looking forward to getting our winner's take on it. So hopefully we'll be able to post a little thing from her so the, once she gets it in hand. So they've been notified. Yes, okay. it's in the mail. So there you go. We have a contest winner. Very exciting. That's our first contest. So, I'm really stoked that we've been able to run a few of these lately. It's really fun. I think it makes for a, a more engaged community, and it's good to give back as mm-hmm. well. Also, it gave me an excuse to order a bunch of coffee. From Jax, yes. Yes. Yeah. Not because of maximum overload. That just made me yeah. do Jacques, walking lunges. Jax does a lot, but he does not. 
Does not roast coffee. Just I, I just finished an interview, though, with Roy uh, Jacques, co-author of the Maximum Overload for Cyclists, uh, the strength training book we talked about a few episodes ago, and that episode was really well received, and Roy has done a crazy bunch of stuff, so we talk a lot about uh, all sorts of adventure races, and he's, you know, he's a writer, he's not, you know, world class, but he has done a lot of, like, eco-challenge and stuff, so look forward to that episode, and more on Maximum Overload. Yeah, okay, so... All of that said, uh, just another one last reminder, and then we'll dive in here. Uh, The donor drive for Wide Angle Podium, which is our network, is going on this week. Uh, We won't belabor this point because you've been hearing about it all month. But if you want to help out this podcast and all of the other awesome podcasts that are part of this network, uh, you can sign up to donate, you know, either as a one-time thing, as low as like five bucks a month. You get a ton of sweet swag. And it really helps us and the network out and it gets, you know, things like this upgraded microphone and, you know, helps us sort of work to improve the podcast. Every little bit helps there for, for sure. For sure. And they, we have a goal. I think it was 200 donors was the goal, I believe. And so I think we're getting close and a lot of fellow listeners have, have donated. So thank you to if you have donated and thank you if you've even looked into it. You know, you can just go over and see what it's all about. Uh, and I would say just go over to WideAnglePodium.com and check out the other podcasts. You know, they're doing some really cool episodes over on CX Hairs and Slow Ride Podcasts. And there's the bike shop. We got to hang out. Um, there's and some really, we, really we good We got episodes. to hang out with We Got to Hang Out. They've so. been on for sure. And Bill tries to help us with our audio. We're perhaps behind but we're we're rallying and we're trying bill is helping but bill's got good he's got background music on his intros and stuff oh we have yeah. music we're getting there yeah um all right so that's that's that what have we been up to this week you had provincial mountain bike championships up here yeah tag teamed uh provincials with a bachelor party where we went trampolining and there was a uh, another at ryan atkins like ultimate warrior uh, monkey man contest you lost. Oh, I got schooled. There was a, one of my little brother's friends, Martin, my little brother, is a avid listener of the show. He was actually, he really liked the Jacques podcast, but he said it went way over his head at points with the reps and seconds and rests and stuff. So. To be fair, it went over my head. So. so I told him just to do lunges. and <laughs> Walking lunge, that yeah. episode in five seconds. Always just start. You just got to start. So anyhow, we went, Martin's getting married at the end of September, and so we went on a, a sort of tour of Waterloo, KW area, and we hit uh, a, a 3D arcade, and I, I drove some cars in 3D, like, it was like video games, but you're wearing a head thing. And he came home wondering how we could get a 3D spin class set up going. Don't tell people, that's my idea. Oh, well, secret's out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna, we did that and that was really fun and cool, like to see the 3D technology, like how far it's come. Like there was like the sensation of falling and I almost bashed through the wall one time and, but it's just cool how it, how it all works. So we spent an hour there and then we went to the trampoline park and did flips and dodgeball with kids that were way too small. My brother Martin has a cannon for an arm. He's, he was a pitcher and, uh, he has built that capacity. So so yeah. I think he smashed someone in the face. Oh dear! But and then anyhow, there was a you know obstacle course thing, and I already have this broken rib that I was talking about last episode. And yeah, they had some crazy stuff. So my arms were just pumped before I even got to provincials, mountain bike provincials on Sunday. And yeah, I ended up third, but I wasn't too bummed. The two guys ahead of me, pretty quick, typically beat me. One was almost at the Olympics, and the other one has been top five nationals. And yeah, can't get too upset about that. No. 
in the meantime, good I... to see everyone though in the O Cup community. It's that's really why I race. Mm-hmm. O Cups are just so many good people. Mm-hmm. I had a nice quiet-ish weekend at the condo here, uh, which actually meant Peter got really nervous because he didn't hear from me. Uh, pretty much all day either day because I was out making trips to Home Depot to get a bunch of stuff. Uh, the poor the poor guy, um, we built a nice standing desk. So shout out to Jax and Katie Bowman for our standing desk that we now have. I made it with steel pipes and boards and the lovely guy at Home Depot helped me get my board or get my pipes cut and threaded and helped me pick out the right parts to put it together. Um, So I made that, but then the next day I came in to buy PVC so I could make some cross barriers for a clinic we have coming up. Uh, And then I came back again to get a pile of bricks to make bookends. So this poor, lovely man at Home Depot just thinks I am a crazy person, but it all made sense. I explained cyclocross to him, so that was a win. Yeah. No, it was actually a comical story, the multiple things you're walking down. There. Yeah, it was like a bad sitcom. Like he probably thought he was being on punk. Yeah, something. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, is that all? I think that's pretty much everything. I think that's pretty much everything. So, okay, so let's get in. We have a, a burly question here. A great one from Marshall. Um, it doesn't seem where Marshall's from, but uh, thank you for your question, Marshall. And Marshall is from the multi-sport community that we've joined and participated a lot in so he is do athlete though yeah and he focuses more on bike run yeah bike run and focusing more on sprint distances so more short hard efforts which leads to a lot more intensity in his training Uh, so his question is actually more around recovery post-race though so he says you know he has a coach he follows a training plan he does intensity where needed trains you know like a normal person he's 43 takes time off does it say how many days a week he's doing intensity? Um, he says each day he takes a day. Each week he takes a day off. Um, he trains between eight to eight point five hours in big weeks. Um, recovery weeks would be five to six hours with reduced intensity. Um, and he does, it seems like he does, probably has a lot of intensity if I'm reading correctly, but he says he recovers fine and does well in races. He's usually age group podium, but what he says his biggest problem is, is mastering recovering just right after the race. He says, I totally suck at recovery, which I think is probably a little harsh. Um, he says, I'm usually looking forward to a day or two off, but when the time comes to rest, I feel like I'm being lazy and think I should go to hockey after all, or go and do an easy in quotes, run or bike. He usually plans a deep, uh, tissue massage a couple days after the races, but how should he handle that post-race week in terms of workouts? What he's finding is that he screws up in his recovery week. And then the next week, his legs and brain are all, you know, jacked up and he ends up with a really bad low volume week with no energy, no strength, and a whole lot of feeling like crap. So he wastes a valuable week instead of taking the week right after the race off. Uh, Otherwise, he, you know, seems to be pretty much cruising. It's really just this immediate post-race window that he's struggling with. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Um, I would look at the amount of intensity and so one thing you can do i see there's strength training in there and with running it's definitely tough with the muscular fatigue from that so i would look at how you're planning the week and see if you could suss out you know sort of two days during the week um certainly anyone who's getting into that late 30s and and above i've 
I would generally be very hesitant with more than two days of the week that have intensity, um, which we could classify as, you know, anything over, I would say, 75% of max heart rate, um, anything where you're, you know, standing and smashing it. So for a mountain biker, that would be mountain biking, um, anything with any major hills for most people. Um, strength training would also be intense. Um, so what you're saying is actually more changing his training before race day. Yeah, and I, I because I think that a lot of times what we forget is that the aerobic capacity is actually a big part of the recovery. So, I mean, it seems like his, his fueling and stuff is sufficient, but what I would like to see is if we could find another couple days to do a bit more volume, like easier endurance training. So mm-hmm. what I would test would be, you can look up what a math test is or, or just, you know, tell them, you know, if I say right under ride, especially, but also run even under 75% of max heart rate. And, you know, you could do that off a threshold if you want. Um, can you run, you know, or is it way too slow? That's usually like the cardinal sign. You sort of need it. If your heart rate's quite high, like if you can get up to 200 beats, especially as a 40 year old, you know, that's another sort of good sign that the aerobic ability likely isn't that big. Um, so yeah, I, I would find for two reasons, to build the aerobic capacity, but also allow for enough recovery of that top end that we can actually build that top end as well. So the way I often sort of introduce that to people when we're sort of rehashing this is just think, you know, high intensity day, low intensity day. So that's that steady endurance day, probably on the bike. Uh, and then take an off, like a very easy day. That could have some core, but probably more, you know, a walking day, um, core, yoga, that sort of stuff, and then back at a high intensity day. And if you rotate through that sort of three day block, you're gonna have days that probably do, end, or weeks rather that end up with, uh, that would be you know three intensity, but it's gonna be you know every third or fourth week maybe ends up with three intensity days, right? It, so it sort of rotates through. Now the caveat is that most people's lives are not that flexible. So you end up with like, you know, Monday always has to be a day off or Sunday's the day you have a lot of time. So that's something you sort of have to come to terms with and work around, and, and that's fine. You know, you just sort of deal with, you know, those long, the weekends sort of have to be the longer days and, and focus on that aerobic ability, and that's okay. But I would just be careful how much you're stacking together. So the other thing that we do, because you probably want to do your strength training, and you should, and you're running, which is, you know, generally higher intensity, is you can block those together. So you might be able to do your strength and your run intervals on a Tuesday, and then do a longer bike on the Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, possibly another intensity on the Thursday and then longer days on the weekend or something, uh, is how that would work. So I think the aerobic ability is a place to look, you know, it might require even just a bit of periodization. Now we're getting towards the end of the season. So it might require just a look at sort of how you're building your base, um, to, to help improve that. Yeah. I think my other thought on that is the day after a race, especially, you know, a sprint effort. I think your nervous system is actually still just in a really high state. So I do totally get the urge to, you know, get into that hockey game or get out and do that, you know, quote unquote, easy run that ends up with like a little bit of a sprint because you actually feel awesome the day after the race. It's usually a couple days later that you kind of come down from that, especially if it's a race that went really well, you're just stoked. So I think you really have to kind of be disciplined enough. And I mean, it seems like you know that this is a problem. You know you have this tendency to do it. So I think just maybe even planning your day, like plan in a walk, like book yourself a yoga class, like 
kind of set up your day busy enough that you can't go to the hockey game or you can't really get out for that easy ride or run. Yeah, the hockey is a tough call because that's, again, pretty intense. And I think that, you know, late nights often, you know, we get body sore from it as well. Yeah, well, and then you're out, like, and you maybe have a beer with the buddies afterwards, and now it's a late night, and now your sleep's been jacked up for a couple nights. So I think, you know, while it's hard to resist the allure of that run when you're feeling really good the next day, just remember how you're going to feel that next week. Um and that should help a fair bit. And I think just don't rush in. You know, you, you, you said as much in the recovery week. It's okay to really back off and, you know, maybe ride a bit more than you run and run walks and, you know, shorter runs, soft ground runs. Well, um, I think the day after, just don't don't oh, use your bike because you're just going to end up going harder. And, like, instead of going out for a walk in your running clothes, go out for a walk in clothes that you can't bust into a run in. Wear a backpack. Just kind of like handicap yourself so you can't run. Even yeah, if you and I, I would look at, you know, is, we're just talking short distance um, try. So, I mean, the training stress is not terribly high, but given that you're lower volume sort of athlete, again, the aerobic capacity, the fitness that we're going to build is going to be a little smaller. Um, So that race weekend is going to be challenging. So I think it's okay too to take, like I wouldn't think, I would think three, four days as easy. And again, that might be an off day and then a light ride and then a light, you know, run and then an off day and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get back into your training. And to me, that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, it, it might take only two days or something off of a smaller race, but definitely looking at that. The strength training is maybe another place you could look if you are time crunched, you know, adding a, a second strength workout and building that over the winter and then sort of maintaining that over the summer to try and armor yourself a bit more as far as from a muscular standpoint, in case it is mostly that run sort of kicking kicking the crap out of you. I think there's really good research for both cycling and running for that to improve. Yeah, and you actually answered the other question that he had, which was saying he can't really do back-to-back weekends because he tends to end up injured when he does that. But I think you're exactly right with the improving aerobic capacity and adding that strength training to sort of yeah, like that's yourself. that to me is another sign. You know, you just need to slow down and build that. Like, make sure you're not coasting. Like, that's a, another thing. Like, a lot of people, that's the difference between elite and non-elite often. It's just the amount of time spent coasting. So when it's not safe, don't pedal. But you got to, like, over the top of rollers and stuff, make sure that you're staying on the pedals um, and just to keep that effort nice and steady. And if a lot of times people are like, oh, well, then I'll never make it up the hills. Well, your route needs to be less hilly for those endurance rides then. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. Like, I mean, maybe if you're not fueling well in those races, too. And, I mean, again, a short... Sprint, you just don't fuel. Like, you maybe have a bit of water Is on the bike. Is it not a two-hour day? Not if you're an age group winner. A sprint would be maybe, like, a 10-mile bike. And, like, maybe, t- depending with the, which duathlon it is, sometimes they'll start with, like, a 2K and then have, like, a 15-mile bike or, like, a 12-mile bike and then, like, a 5K run. Right. But it's pretty short. Like, we're talking under an hour and a half, usually. Right. Okay. So maybe well, you'd have some sports drink in your bike bottle, but you probably wouldn't. I think for the sake of performance, I would definitely have at least the taste of the sugar. Well, that's you. I don't really like eating or drinking on the bike unless I absolutely have to. So. I mean, it's performance enhancing, yep. but that's maybe not the reason for the soreness. But yeah, just watching that you're, you're feeling, I mean, it seems like your, your diet composition is pretty good. 
you definitely could start periodizing that a bit, you know, when you are focused on aerobic sort of days, probably increasing the, the fat and just the, the what we would call whole food sort of angle to it. You said you were at around 50% carbs, which could be high given the volume of training you have. So, I mean, you could also tweak down and see if that helps with your energy. I've seen that a fair bit, you know, add an avocado to breakfast and pull out Cheerios and, you know, all of a sudden things are, you know, everyone's feeling a little more energetic and stuff. So that would be another place to look your, just your whole foods, you know, good, healthy fats, um, uh, can often help a lot with energy. Uh, other thing I would do is a good reminder for everyone as we get into the fall and sort of off season is just blood test, right? The other possibility is, you know, you've driven your body pretty hard and you're maybe just depth, you know, a little behind on some nutrients. You could have anemia in there. You could have any number of sort of electrolyte type things that a lot of those are, are not super hard to fix, but you just need to know you, what you're, what you're dealing with. Um, so I would go in and just get that yearly sort of physical sign up or go see a naturopath or something and see if you can get something sort of sussed out. Um, but yeah, you're making sure food and just eating a variety of stuff otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, I've been learning the last few weeks, as I'm getting through this other nutrition course that I've been taking, it's uh, we we tend to think that our diets are a lot healthier than they maybe actually are. I mean, reading Marshall's thing, it sounds like he's actually quite dialed, but I know for me, for years, I would have told you I ate a healthy diet, but if you actually looked, and I actually just restarted my MyFitnessPal for an article that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I need to use it for a month to see what happens. And I looked back at some of my saved meals from like 2012, Oh, it is brutal how bad they were. Yeah, certainly we learn things as we go. But, you know, it's easy to avoid, you know, if you don't eat liver, then, you know, there's things like vitamin A. You know, if you don't eat eggs, then choline. You know, if you're avoiding salt completely, then it could easily just be a sodium thing. You know, there's a lot of things that are quote unquote healthy, but, you know, taken to extremes or not replaced by another, you know, similar food or supplementation can, you know, especially in the extremes of competition and training can get sort of start working against us, right? And, and in an otherwise healthy diet. So yeah, I would just go make sure you cover your bases, right? That's, you know, usually with any athlete, you want at least once a year, you know, you see it recommended even four times a year if, if someone is so capable to afford or have the coverage or whatever the support for. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's always, whenever we're questioning, you know, recovery and energy, that's an important consideration as well. You know, we look at could our training be tweaked, you know, more adaptive to our body and our age, our goals? Is there the nutrition, you know, is there something we can tweak or is there food we avoid? Um, you know, some sort of red flag, like I don't eat red meat, you know, you're tired. Okay, you might very well have anemia, you know, and there's a number of routes other than eating meat we could take that. Um, and then there's just, you know, going and getting your regular physical sort of hygiene checkup and everything with your doctor. So those are some ideas. Hopefully there's something there for you, Marshall. Yep. And then actually, so Marshall had also asked if, he th if we thought it was just mental weakness. I would say no, but I will add that there is a sports psychology angle to that where a lot of people feel super guilty taking full recovery days, even when they're completely aware that they need them. Um, and again, we're going to have Simon Marshall on. He's the author of The Brave Athlete. And I keep mentioning it because I've been reading it for a few weeks now, but 
it has some really good stuff kind of covering that exact sort of thing. So. Brave Athlete. And then Peak Performance, we had yeah. uh, Steve Magnus and Brad on, uh, Brad Stolberg. And yeah, it's another one where, and their big thing is sleep and yeah. and rest periods, right? So having those really intense, like unba- quote unquote unbalanced, Brad's been really on the, the idea of balance. He wrote a piece in the New York Times about the myth of balance. So you definitely have to drive hard at something when you're doing well with it, but, you know, and then sort of flipping around and making sure you get that, that downtime. So in your case, it would be, you know, our classic periodization of three weeks of driving hard and then really, you know, back right off and let yourself recover. And, you know, in the seasonal thing, drive hard for eight months and then back off for a month and then, you know, slowly build back up with your preparation phase. And, you know, it could just be that, you know, you're getting into end of season. For sure. So those are two, one podcast to look for. I don't know when Molly has that scheduled, but it's coming. It's coming. And the one to look back at is that peak performance with Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg. Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people just like you including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health-conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist-to-hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So, go over to healthiq.com slash capod. All lowercase. And take that quiz. Um, They have a bunch of different quizzes on the website, and the website's pretty well designed, so it's worth heading over there, checking it out, and again, using that link, healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. All right, so our next question is about TSB, which Peter is going to have to explain, but the person says that their friend told them that TSB should always be over negative 30. I feel like we were trying to debate whether they meant over or under negative 30. Um, I think it sort of depends on how you're defining it, but let's first go into what TSB is. Right. So TSB is part of the performance manager chart or TSS. So you've probably or maybe heard on a ride or, you know, on an article or something in the training stress score. Uh, so basically it's, it's a method where, you know, in a single ride, how hard is that ride relative to your fitness or your, your threshold? Um, so your race pace. So everyone has sort of their race pace if we just sort of went really hard. And so it's sort of ranking that ride as far as how hard it is um, in terms of intensity and duration. If you use Strava or Training Peaks, there's like Training Peaks is where this TSS system is based, where the PMC is and where it's been developed. But Strava and a few, all the different 
softwares have some sort of impulse of training um, graph and just a way to keep track of this. All of this sounds like the made-up stuff from Office Space, by the way. Isn't it TSS reports that he's supposed to be filing every oh, day? Probably, yeah. It's a little crazy like that. And I, I mean, to the first point, you know, that, that segues nicely in that, you know, it's all of this stuff is very reliant on having data that's accurate. You know, it was based on road power, um, at least in how it was applied here for, for fitness. And so if we start applying it to other sports or using heart rate or pace, then there's obviously more variables are built into that. And at the end of the day, it requires your power meter to be functioning and you collecting, you know, all your rides and uploading and that sort of stuff. So what I usually see is that athletes don't have the data pool sufficient to base anything off of TSS. Yeah, Training Peaks isn't really fantastic for uploading like weight sets or stuff like that unless you're super meticulous. So if you've done weight training, if you've done yoga... Like- if you ran in the park with your kids. Yeah, and I mean, we'll link a bunch to it. You know, that's a common uh, criticism of TSS is that it doesn't account for, you know, being out drinking all night um, or weight. Most things don't. Or weight training. You know, it was meant for more of like physiological loads and not so much for like very muscular. So then it brings into question, you know, running, you know, what is the effect of a, a 10K run that's based off of your pace or heart rate or perhaps now based off of run power. Um, you know, I think there's something there if you're collecting the data over time and using it, you know, in a vacuum, most of our lives are fairly consistent, but it is a a variable. How do you account for the, you know, CNS load of, you know, five heavy deadlifts? You know, if you just warm up and do five heavy deadlifts, like I would probably have to take a nap, you know, whereas I could go do a five hour ride and then carry on with my day. Um, but the five hour ride is going to be innumerably more, you know, it'd be whatever 200 tss versus you know i don't even know how you would rank that i'd maybe i usually just do it as half so i'd it'd be a 60 minute wait session maybe would be 30 Mm -hmm. but that's getting beyond someone can ask a question about how to use tss but so essentially all we're trying to say is tsb is part of that tss system and it's basically your form so if we i i always explain it as if we were going to race today would you expect yourself to do good or bad so if it was Yesterday was provincials. I expected myself to do well because I took an easy week and did my one midweek intensity and then my openers the day before. So what would your TSB be if you're about to race? <clears throat> if what the data pool was good, then it would be uh, somewhere between, you'll see sort of negative 5 to 20 or 25, depending on it. A lot of people, like I always just say 0 to 15. So 0 to positive 15. It so would if be you're... TSB. If you're racing at negative 30, you are in a world of hurt. I mean, you'd maybe see that in like a Tour de France or, or someone like that, like where the fit... And they're in a world of hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, but their fitness is very high too. Um, you know, I think you can uh, get more, but I mean, we'll link to a few articles just so you can read more, just so, because we don't want to go too deep on this. It is pretty niche. Um, but basically negative 30 is a place where I think, you know, you're getting to that borderline, you know, Joe Friel has written that negative 30 is like getting to the red zone. So if you're on a training camp and you hit negative 30, that means like you have increased your training load hugely more than your fitness. Um, and and you're risking over, you know, injury, you know, chronic fatigue overtraining once you're getting deeper than that. Um, and so all it really is, is what is your chronic, like if you think about an hour, so if you average eight hours a week and go to a training camp and you do 16 hours a week, you're probably going to hit negative 30. Um, if we think about it in terms of hours, Mm -hmm. like weekly training hours, um, 
so yeah, so if you're training pretty hard, you're in your training phase, you're in the second or third week of your training block, you're probably be negative and that's great. You're getting fitter, you're pushing your fitness line or your fitness up, but you're also fatigued. You probably wouldn't want to race. So TSB, I just think about, do you want to race? Like, do you plan to race well or not? It's generally going to be positive, which doesn't mean that you're not riding. It means that your the weekly training load is lower than your 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 chronic training load. Mm-hmm. The last two months in race week we go a little lower, right? We usually back off our training volume. That's essentially all TSB means. Yeah, but in terms of that chart, you never want to see a chart just like totally flat. I mean, a that's not the point of a chart, right? You don't want it to just <laughs> be, be one straight chart. line. No, this is a very uh, stochastic chart or up and down, and that's what I would look for. Someone just sent me their Strava based um, chart, and he didn't include the. It was just the fitness line. So it went up, you know, he started training in January and collecting data and it went up and then it plateaued for the summer, which is common once people hit their eight hours a week. You know, how do you increase training load, um, which is a whole other topic. Someone can email in and, and ask, ask that about exact that. question. Um, but then I was like, could you just put click the button so that we can see the fatigue thing? And because I wanted to see, you know, how stochastic, how up and down was that fatigue? Was there some sort of pattern of like on weeks and off weeks and, and you know, really is that line going up and down you know, around the fit, the fitness line mm-hmm. um so yes it should be like it certainly hit negative 30 or negative 20 even um, but we should also be getting up into the positives and and that's one of the things i if the data pool is good not seeing positive is definitely a, a chronic sign of someone who is you know pushing too hard and not taking enough recovery um, which may relate to our first question as well yeah for sure Uh, So the one thing that kind of came up for me reading this was thinking back to my collegiate cycling days and my first forays into fitness and sport and stuff. And this kind of stuff goes around, you know, like on my cycling team, you know, it was if you rode 200 miles a week, that was fitness. Uh, You know, you hear it all the time with like the macronutrient ratio that you want is, you know, 61 to 17 to whatever would make up 100 after that because I'm really bad at math off the top of my head. But anyway, all of these kind of... Well, you fill in the rest with alcohol. Oh, it's yeah, the right. the fourth macronutrient. I forgot this was me still talking college yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 20% alcohol. Yeah. And then the rest is protein or something. Yeah, the rest is pizza for me <laughs> at that point. But my point being, there's always things like this that go around and it's like a bad game of telephone for athletes you know and i think there is a good analogy in that in that you know someone could tell you a certain calories you know i fight this all the time with athletes the you know i'm gonna only have you know this thousand calories a day or whatever but the question is always like what is the ruler for that you know it's notoriously inaccurate measuring calories there's a benefit at times um but there's that and then also measuring the calories that you need is notoriously inaccurate because you know your day changes and your output changes and the heat changes and everything else so that's very similar to tss is it just it's worth it but i would say it's for certain athletes and certain times it's worth it um much like calorie counting or weighing your food you know it's it there's there's a place for it it's a great data i'm not slagging i would love to have the creators on the podcast of of everything of calories we love you training peaks Uh, we love you i was thinking calories the people that invented calories dr calorie (laughs) dr calorie he's the worst at any rate my point is really just uh 
anytime you hear something like that, take it with a grain of salt because it's probably gone through a game of athlete telephone. I was just thinking game of telephone because what we want this message to say is you should hit negative 30 a couple times a year. But what somebody could hear is we want you to hit negative 30. Well, or more is better. If I hit it three times, is 20 better? Mm -hmm. or, Or is just 365 negative 30 for all year? Yeah, or somebody caught two seconds of this and heard like a negative 30 would be really bad for race day. So now they're trying to keep their TSS at like 50. Right. <laughs> yep. So that's TSB takeaway is just that's are you going to suck on race day or not? There we go. Moral of the story. All right. So our next questions get into someone that's planning to do La Ruta race. Um, well, first, maybe you could explain since you, you're more aware of what this race entails. Um, it's not just going to be a question that's going to be really specific to this, although the questions kind of are. Yeah, Laruda is is down, you know, in South America, I believe. I don't want to misrepresent that. I'm horrible with geography. Um, and, and so it's an event that involves a l- very long days. You know, you're looking at 8 to 12 for most people. Mountain bike stage race. Mountain bike stage race. It's in sort of jungle, but also volcanoes. Um, and yeah, you're just, you're through all sorts of stuff, but it's really just climbing a crazy amount. It's a three day stage race, mountain biking. First two days are crusher. Uh, last day can be very hard as well. Um, but not nearly as long or as climbing based and yeah, it's, it's a bucket list race for a lot of people. Um, so hike a bikes. Yeah. Uh, so the first question. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So the first question is hike a bikes. Should, should they do them? If you're doing any stage race on a mountain bike, I would advise doing a fair bit of hike bikes. Unless for sure you know that you're not getting off your bike. Because it is like the Achilles and hamstring cramps and well, upper not- upper body strength. Like LaRuta involves, because it's very muddy a lot of the times, there's a lot of like bike on back. Yeah. for extended periods and that that crushes people not for nothing optimizing your bike carrying position you may actually realize that your water bottle is in like a terrible spot for you to be able to shoulder it and maybe you can move it or you might realize you need like a neoprene patch in your jersey because you have something yeah. sticking i think a lot you. of people now use packs but yeah you just want to figure out your technique for sure it might be you know a pad for sure it could be something on the frame even i've seen people do all sorts of different stuff and um yeah you just want to get used to it and, and it could be hiking at times you know you don't necessarily always need your bike but you want to walk up hills because you're probably gonna have to do a lot um i think just riding steep hills and climbing a lot is going to be helpful as well there um you know you'll maybe save yourself a few steps if you get a little better with steep climbs and getting used to that and technique for that and gearing uh your bike appropriately for that mm-hmm so it's worth if you don't, what if you don't live around hills? Is it worth doing like a weekend somewhere hilly? Yep. Yeah. So that's a common question with anything like uh, Leadville or, you know, Breck Epics or even just, you know, people who are from Florida want to go do a hilly race in BC or, you know, even just Grand Fondos, right? Like they're just going to Europe to do, you know, one of the big attacks or something like that. Um, can you simulate? We're using like no hills or, or short hills. I mean, you, at the end of the day, you, you aren't probably going to move. So you only have so many options. So the big thing that we've always done is like, especially for the endurance racing, is just long, steady efforts, no coasting. You know, you can drop your RPM down 70 to 80 RPM, you know, for something like Leadville to try and simulate a bit of that loading. Um, you know, you always hear about the people using the uh, overpass on the highway in Florida 
And, and I mean, it's better. It's what you have, right? And then you do the best. You know, you try and do some weekend game plays. We usually base that around the long weekends. Um, if we can, Canada has a lot of long weekends, but the U.S. has several. And I'm sure every not part- a ton in the summer though. We're sort of. What screwed. do you mean? You have a Labor Day, don't you? We have yeah, we have Memorial Day and Labor Day, and we have Fourth of July. But you guys have like August long weekend. When's Memorial Day? The end of May. So I guess we oh. technically have like one a month, but. Well, you don't have one in August, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but people take vacation, so that yeah. can be August. Um, so you really just need, you know, most of these races are, are only a couple days and, you know, most times we're going to do training blocks for most people of two and three days anyhow. So you just try and go somewhere, you know, it might be a big trip for sure, but you know, you try and go and get to those hills and do the best you can. I think this is where strength training, maybe even a bit of trainer riding might, might be an asset if you, if you are in a flat area and having to do something like this. Uh, both those are going to be helpful and then as always you know the optimizing your body composition if you're carrying extra weight or your bike is not very efficient climbing you know sometimes we overlook both those things as being you know we're riding a big heavy enduro bike or something with giant tires and then you know that's not helping on the climbs but don't spend too much on your bike because your body often can be sort of made more into a climber's body i was going to say there are very few people that couldn't stand to like drop five pounds before trying to drop 500 grams from their bike yeah or spending a lot of money to go you know traveling to places for sure um you know i think there's something to that you know raising the front wheel on the trainer in a worst case scenario just to get a bit different muscle activation um but again it's not quite the same ever but you do the best you can i think if you could get on a treadmill or something with uphill walking um on a treadmill or a stair stepper uh, i don't think that would be a waste of time either um yeah and i mean game playing the stuff that you can game play like it's a three-day stage race so doing like a training block that involves three longer days and game playing the nutrition and all of the other stuff um, i think we tend to get really scared about with leadville it's always like everyone freaks about the altitude and you know something like this all of the questions are really focused on the climbs but what about everything else that the race involves sure yeah um i think that's valid and i mean part of it of a long climb is mental so i mean doing a 60 minute tempo effort you know building towards that obviously or six by ten with one or two off in between you know that's gonna take care of a lot of that mental and certainly the muscle tension and you know the rest of it is is percentages in my opinion you know it definitely would help but it's not a reality right if you live in florida so yeah do what you can probably sunny yeah all right so the next question is a little bit more sports nutrition oriented um you've written on your blog over at smartathlete.ca about bcaa's being one of the supplements that you have taken in the past and you know consider to be one of the more useful in sports supplements but obviously you and i are both pretty big you know fans of whole food diets where possible so and actually it's funny, so this person just kind of wanted to know where we come down on BCAAs, what brands we'd suggest, what products. Um, but it's also interesting because I've been talking to you a lot about this lately because it's been coming up in a lot more kind of, it used to be the kind of thing you'd read in like Bodybuilder magazine or really like fitness specific magazines, but I've been seeing it in sort of the wellness space lately. So a lot more fitness and wellness bloggers, even more female ones are you know, kind of touting BCAAs for fat loss and all that kind of stuff lately. So 
let's talk BCAAs. Yeah, it's interesting. When I first started using them a long time ago, you'd have to get them at like the muscle place and try and find ones that didn't have anything else in and them. And be the really skinny dude that's Yeah, they always thought I wanted bulking powder or something. <laughs> like, whatever that stuff's called. Aww. Like m- big gains with like four Zs or something. Ooh, but it yeah. also puts you to sleep. That would yeah. be a good product name. I bet you that doesn't exist. If it doesn't, we're starting Big gains. A lot of magnesium. Yeah, magnesium and some other fillers. Some you just protein. throw some fillers in there. Um... All right, nobody steal that. I feel like we've just let a lot of our like entrepreneurial businesses just go in this episode. Well, you throw it into the universe. Yeah. If anyone wants to invest in our Isn't that company. you're supposed to do that? And then if no one else takes it, that's the idea you're supposed to do. Is that in the secret or something? Well, it's like reverse secret. Mm. Uh, so it's BCWAs. I would not... It's sort of like TSB. <laughs> I mean, it just a lot of people like BCAAs are just amino acids. Um, so they're in eggs and beef and whey protein. Um, so I think most people, you know, uh, whey is pretty good generally to have on hand, I think. Uh, it's pretty accessible. So I, I would, before I would do that, I would just make sure that someone's eating enough protein, you know, sleeping appropriately. You know, their bike is set up reasonably most people are not training enough really to make it worthwhile to spend the money on BC double A's. So yeah, I, I don't see it. You know, it's in some gels and stuff. Like I think hammer puts it into gels and I think maybe goo does too now. Um, so I, I just, I wouldn't bother for most people. I did write about it and I do use it occasionally. I haven't used it. I don't think this year. Uh, I've gotten, with the nature now of testing and stuff, it's just so, you have to be pretty sure something's worth it to do it if you're at all at risk for testing. Uh, so that's always a consideration when we're talking about any supplements. And there are great brands out there that get tested by third parties and tested by multiple third parties and are, you know, totally clean. But yeah, yeah definitely if you are in any danger of being tested, do not go for like the bargain rate one on Amazon. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. There's, you know, the, the idea is that it's supposed to help a bit with like mental clarity and maybe stave off like muscle wasting in long events. Um, you know, if you're weight training, it's supposed to potentially help, but you'll read this study the next day that it doesn't. So I, I would just eat more eggs. And, and maybe some whey after your workout uh, yeah. or something, and, you know, that that's good. 99% of us could stand to improve our diet before we start supplementing the stuff that can improve our diet. Yep. So I think that's sort of the moral of the Was story. there anything, like, in your nutrition course you're taking? What, what did, have you learned about BCAAs? That's a, that's a level two and level three thing. Which either. means really just that it's <laughs> most, I think that's really just a, the this nutrition course is basically that's how they lay out sort of clients and how crazy they are. So your level three is someone who's like dialed, but they're like trying to lose weight for fitness contests or something. Yeah. So basically like extreme physiques. 97% of people are level one, 2% yeah. are level two, 1% are level three. And Level one, you just wouldn't even really touch BCAAs because the bigger thing is consistency in an overall like daily healthy diet that's whole food based and has appropriate amounts of protein coming from good clean sources. So until you can nail all of that um, and you're down to like those last two body fat percentage points and right. you're trying to lift that like five pounds heavier to win a competition, 
I wouldn't really worry about anything like that. So I think that's it for that. Um, on the topic of fueling, actually, I just put out another video on our Consummate Athlete YouTube channel, which we sometimes put our episodes out on. So if it's easier for you to listen on YouTube, you know, some people at their office or at the desk, it's easier to pull up a YouTube episode than it is to download over on iTunes, although we certainly appreciate the downloads. Um, but yeah, if you head over to the Consummate Athlete uh, podcast YouTube channel, which you can find over on consummateathlete.com. I just put up a video of talking about how I fueled for Ironman and sort of a little before, during, and after. Uh, so if you like that, please let me know. I'm debating doing more video stuff like that in the future. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my last words on, on fueling, I guess. Awesome. Well, hopefully that was helpful. If you do have questions, consummateathlete.com, and there's a form there you can fill out. Uh, you can also just tweet at us or whatever on the Twitters. Um, yeah, so have a great week. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and screenshot and send to molly at theoutdooredit.com so you can potentially win a bunch of rad coffee products. All right, cheers, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.